pro-feral Christians. I'm Bill Muhlenberg. May all that you stand for and that we stand for be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machinery. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. Yes, sadly, they certainly exist. There are way too many believers today who, if they lived back at the time of the Exodus, as recorded in Exodus 1 to 15, would actually have sided with the pagan Pharaoh and stood against God's chosen leader, Moses. They would have happily submitted to the dictates of Pharaoh while accusing Moses of being a troublemaker who should just sit down and shut up. There's no question whatsoever there would be Christians like this. I encounter them on a regular basis. And we have especially seen this over the past year and a half, where states everywhere have locked us down and shut us up. Far too many Christians, it seems, have welcomed the draconian lockdowns with open arms. Hardly any of them are talking about the vital importance of religious freedom and the loss of our most basic liberties. The only real question worth exploring is this. Why are so many believers acting this way? Why are so many folks who call themselves Christians actually siding with pagan rulers while attacking and criticizing other believers who think that freedom matters, that church matters, and the so on? Why are so many defending and seeking to exonerate Pharaoh while turning on Moses? Well, let me offer a few possible reasons for all this. For many of these folks, it seems that the only biblical text on civil government that they know about is Romans 13, 1-7. But of course, the truth is there are numerous passages that speak about the state and how God's people should relate to it in both Testaments. The biblical Christian should never just cherry-pick one text at the expense of all others, but instead compare Scripture with Scripture and offer the full counsel of God. Related to this, their understanding of the Romans 13 text is often deeply flawed, Far too many of them read into this text, again, while ignoring other texts, believing that the state has absolute power and is always to be obeyed and never resisted. But the state is, in fact, delegated authority, and it comes directly under God and his values. When Jesus confronted the pagan leader Pilate, he certainly reminded him of these basic truths. And I've written about this quite often now. When we hear Christians defending the state and chastising other believers, they usually dish out the same old lines. The reasons to disobey if we can disobey are often summed up in a well-worn phrase about this can only happen when the state commands us to do that which is sinful and so on. I may even have said things like this in the past as well. 
But that really does not get us very far. Indeed, because it's an extra-biblical moral norm that we have put together, it often serves as little more than a cliché, and it really does not accurately deal with all the biblical material on this issue. The truth is, Scripture records plenty of times when God's people had to defy and disobey the powers that be, and for all sorts of reasons. I've written often about this as well. And then we'll have these believers claim that the churches are really not being singled out and everybody's facing the same severe lockdown restrictions. Uh, No, not quite. In fact, simply looking at the situation here in Victoria easily disproves, disproves that. Far too often, while churches have been fully locked down or allowed to open with very stringent restrictions, Plenty of other groups have been allowed to remain open or to function with much less onerous restrictions. We have had all sorts of things deemed to be essential services, including pubs and hardware stores, sporting events, even brothels and mass protests. Think the BOM march of a while back. It would be one thing if everybody were treated equally here, but they are not. Churches, which I believe are, in fact, essential services, have faced massive shutdowns and restrictions. Even today, if you have a large church auditorium that can hold, say, 4,000 people, you're only allowed 50 worshipers at a time. But these feral defenders will still claim that this is no big deal. After all, we can do church online, they will chant. Yeah, right, as if the biblical idea of Christian fellowship and corporate worship that God expects of his people is just a never-ending stream of Zoom or Skype meetings with everyone cowering at home in fear. Good grief, when will believers get some backbone here? We have so many cowards in the pews and in the pulpits who will never stand up for anything but just sheepishly submit to whatever the secular state tells them to do. They will never dare to rock the boat, and as such they have effectively lost any real witness to the surrounding culture that starved for truth and examples of biblical courage. Right now, Christians in places like communist China are defying the authorities, and they are continuing to meet for Christian worship, and they know full well that arrests, torture, and death will likely be their fate. Yet here in the West, except for a handful of brave church leaders, most are happily going along with whatever the state tells them to do. No complaints whatsoever. They seem far keener to fully obey the pagan state in all things than the living God. And I happen to personally know about some of these brave pastors and what they're going through. Some are languishing in jail as we speak for daring to hold biblical worship services and resisting the anti-Christian bigotry of the state. Uh, One such pastor in Melbourne, Paul Furlong, is a Well, he's still in jail, still languishing. Now, leaders like Paul are the real champions here. 
Not all the cowardly and compromised Christians who never seem to stand up for what really matters. And of course, if and when they do finally wake up to the reality of the war that's going on with religious freedom, well, by then it's probably going to be too late. In fact, why am I always reminded of the words of the brave German Lutheran pastor, Holocaust survivor, and resistance leader, Martin Niemöller. As he famously said, in Germany, they came first for the communists, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the Jews, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I didn't speak up because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Catholics, and I didn't speak up because I was a Protestant. Then they came for me, and by that time, no one was left to speak up. Let me look a bit more at Moses and Pharaoh. Since I used the Exodus story as the backdrop to this article, it's worth discussing it a bit further. Of course, it needs to be said that this event was really a, a unique and one-off event. It was meant not just to deliver the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage, but it's obviously part of the bigger long-term purposes of God in which the Messiah would eventually come. So while it is unique, it is still nonetheless paradigmatic and gives a real model for all believers. Exodus and New Exodus themes are found throughout the New Testament. It's appealed to over and over again, not just in the Bible, but throughout history. The original Exodus event gives us important principles about the vital nature of freedom in the place of resistance to tyranny and to tyrants. The Jewish political philosopher Michael Walzer wrote about the great influence of the Exodus story in the Bible in his 1985 book, Exodus and Revolution. In it, he argues that the Old Testament Exodus event has inspired and spurred rebellions and revolutions of all kinds for millennia now, and it is a dominant feature of Western political thought. Getting back to the events described in the opening chapters of Exodus, notice how compromise was attempted by Pharaoh. Having stripped away the basic rights and freedoms of the Israelites, after he had a few power encounters with Yahweh via Moses, he tried to do what tyrants often do. He thought he would throw a few snippets of freedom back to the people. He hoped that such compromises would be enough to keep them forever enslaved in Egypt. Thus, in Exodus 8.25, for example, we read about how instead of allowing the people to leave Egypt, he told Moses, Go, sacrifice to your God within the land. Moses, of course, rejected that compromise offer. I'm amazed at how similar all this is to the current government overreaction to the Rona and the way so many Christians have responded. So many of our most fundamental human rights and liberties have been stripped away from us by power-drunk leaders, and every now and then, to keep the masses happy, they'll toss a few crumbs back to us. Here in Victoria, we see this happening all the time. These power-hungry rulers, in effect, are telling us, we are so generous and gracious 
Therefore, we will allow you now to have two hours outside of your home each day instead of one. We will now allow you to travel 10 kilometers from your home, not just five. Aren't we so very wise and wonderful and gracious? And the really shocking thing is that the masses seem to fall for it every time. They actually think the government is to be applauded and adored for these measly measures. That shows just how cavalier so many folks have become concerning our basic freedoms, which are being stolen away from us. As I have said before, the appalling reaction of the sheeple has bothered me even more than the dictatorial powers of our tin pot rulers. All this, it seems to me, shows us why far too many believers, if teleported back to Egypt some three and a half millennia ago, would actually have sided with Pharaoh and resolutely opposed Moses. Scary stuff indeed. Today, we need a special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynic, so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.